Hi, I'm Ryan the Furiously Erasing Rules Guy. And I'm Ben the Non-Sequential Player. And together, we are the Starting Equipment Podcast. Today, we're having another intermezzo while we work on Season 2. Specifically, today, we're going to be talking about solo and partner RPGs. First, we should probably explain what we mean by solo and partner play. Solo RPGs are games whose rules are designed to work without a GM to guide you through the world. That means you generally have to have some built-in story to work through as you make choices. If you've ever read one of those choose-your-own-adventure books, that's kind of the prototype they work off of. Partner RPGs are like one-on-one games. You both have a game master and a single player. So let's start with talking about solo games. I really have to start with a very basic but also very important question. Why is it not completely lame to play by yourself and how does it change the goals of the session? Sure. I'm going to answer you with a question of my own. Have you ever played a video game by yourself? I know you have. I'll just go ahead and keep Mid- going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. Except instead of using a computer doing the work for you, you use another method to calculate success or failure. I don't know why it feels different, but it does. I think that's just social indoctrination. Yeah. It's like, is there a problem with sitting by yourself at a restaurant to have lunch? No. No. Why should there be? But it feels different. It's true. Oh, man. Lots of self questions here. Well, it is the solo play RPG. (laughs) Life is a solo play RPG. Is it? Oof. Anyway. Uh... (laughs) Let's climb out of meta stuff there. Yeah. But yeah, and to finish answering the question that you had, uh, the end goal is pretty much the same. You're, you're trying to entertain yourself, right? Of course. And hopefully you get a cool story out of it. But yeah, there are unique challenges to doing a, a solo RPG. So are there categories of solo playing games? Absolutely. So I mentioned Choose Your Own Adventure games. Those, in case you've never heard of them, those were books that had you make choices and jump around to different pages to see how they turned out. Some of them actually went so far as to develop a mechanical system that went with it. And you had a character sheet and you rolled dice to see if you succeeded or passed certain checks or if you'd gotten an item previously and actually became kind of complex. But right now, journaling games are much more common. They all have a base premise and some mechanic to move you through different prompts. Tell me about some examples because I'm very unclear on what journaling games means. Sure. So I own Thousand Year Old Vampire by Tim Hutchins Makes Games. In it, you make a character who's a vampire and specifically you're playing a vampire who is journaling their immortal existence. Uh, And you do that because vampires live a very long time and they can forget things. So you're writing your character's story as you go through the game. And you do have stats, but they're very abstract. They're not even numbers associated with them. It's mostly ways to help you make your character unique. So you have like skills or items or contacts or assets. And you have memories. And the game lets you define basically anything about your character, right? It tells you, make up who your character is, when history they are, how they became a vampire. And then you start to go through prompts. The only thing that's constant and they tell you, so you, you're immortal or nearly immortal. You have powers of your choice. You have weaknesses of your choice, but you steal the life of the living to keep going. And sometimes you go into very long periods of dormancy and the rest is up to you. So when you're in the game, you have a prompt at the start and you roll dice and that will 
move you to a prompt in the book. So it might tell you, you run into someone you know, and you already, when you made your character, you made a list of some people you know, and you had a fight with. So change your relationship with that character, and it expects you to write a story, or a paragraph or two. What happened? And because your vampire's memories are an actual thing on the character sheet, they can forget things. They can learn new things. They can even misremember things. I had a vampire who thought he was King Arthur after he woke up from his dormancy. He wasn't even from Britain. That sounds complicated. It's it's surprisingly not. It's really more like a, a writing exercise. The game such as it is, will prompt you like, okay, you rolled this, go here, this thing's happened to your character. Write about it. So it's really just a sort of randomized series of prompts for you to make up a story. Silly kind of question. Is there a fail state? Well, specifically in Thousand Year Old Vampire, yes. Yes, there is. There is? Yeah. You can run into situations where you have lost so many assets that you that you end up getting killed or you just go for so long you just cease to really be a sentient thing anymore there are fail states in that one but it's also you know a tragic vampire uh, depending on the game i imagine there there could be right like you could probably i haven't looked for one but i'm confident you could find and if you can't we should definitely write one a call of cthulhu journaling game where like you're an explorer or you're an investigator and you keep running into these things and you slowly go mad. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's a very different idea. But I think a better way to think of it is for journaling games specifically, it's really just a way to like move you from writing prompt to writing prompt and nudge you in a direction. That's legit. So shall we move on to one-on-one games? Sure. These probably are much more intuitive to most people. Sometimes you want to play an RPG, but you can only bully one other person doing it with you. That's legit. Been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the first thing that comes to your mind is probably like, that would be a very different experience. There'd probably be a lot of different challenges when you're trying to do that. And you'd be right. So tell me about those challenges. Thank you for asking, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest problem is how do you scale everything? And I don't necessarily even mean like fights or conflicts. It's just most games assume an average RPG group of what, four or five people, I'd say. Yeah, that sounds about right. But that gives you a lot of room to cover your bases. Even if you're not intentionally doing that, you're probably making somewhat different characters. So, you know, someone's better at social things, someone's better at mental things or combat or or whatever, right? But if you only have one character, that's what they're good at is what they're good at, right? There's no way to really round them out. So you, as the GM, really have to help customize the experience for the PC. So is it like a typical GM-PC relationship? Because it sounds like you would almost have to have basically two PCs in some sort of automated system. So there are games that do that, that have an an automated system. I haven't seen as many of those because it, it really does require that you sit down and you hammer out that system to run on cards or something right at, yeah. at that point there's some board game overlap there we're very close to board game land. yeah but there are also ones that like a normal rpg but you just only have one player okay the example i go to for this is scarlet heroes by sign nominee publishing it's weird that they start with heroes instead of hero i mean that's fair <laughs> anyway scarlet heroes is actually a setting they write one for it it's very southeast asian medieval fantasy so it's pretty different than than a lot of stuff you normally see okay but more importantly it uses a very D esque 
like D20 system. And it's a formula to remap old D&D modules or even new ones to a system for a single player. Oh, Lord, that's a lot of extra work. So shockingly, no. Oh. So the reason they do like older D&D stuff, because there's less rules to worry about there, right? Yeah. But they really make it feel much more like old sword and sorcery novels, like Conan wading into a horde of beastmen with a sword covered in blood, like that being airbrushed on the side of a van. Yeah. Yeah. That's the vibe? That's the vibe. Oh, I'm, I'm in. Because the way they do it is they just take, you know, the old stat blocks, like the generic stat block you sometimes see, right? Right. This is the, the their attribute. This is how many hit dice they have. This is whatever. And they just simplify it. Don't roll hit dice for monsters. Their hit dice are their hit points. Oh. Uh, and when you do damage, any overflow damage can roll over to the next monster. Good grief. You're just designed to be what I think of as overpowered. Right. It makes you much more, because let's be honest, right? All the those old uh those sword and sorcery books all the piece all the the main character overpowered oh of oh, course yeah they're yeah, yeah. yeah by design yeah, it's power fantasy right. and they do that to let you interact with the world in that way right you don't have to worry about like oh i ran into some bandits well i'm only one person so even if i am a badass realistically there's six bandits i'm probably gonna die no 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 right but this way that's not really a concern you have to worry about. It makes your character much more capable. So you can go through these old things. And because they did it in such a way where you can just take old supplements, you can just pull one off the shelf. Art. Yeah. In fact, I've even thought about doing a, like an old module and have like a normal party and just have them be these badasses who are like conquering the, you know, troglodytes whatever. or whatever, just to see how it would be. Because also, you know, I've played D&D a lot. I've never really played a super high level character in D&D. They're, they're basically just a myth. Right. Old D&D had like all these like domain rules. Never got to use them. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, when my wizard gets to ninth level, I'll be sure to let you know. Not really gonna happen. No, not gonna happen. We're not gonna play that long. But yeah, it was just a really elegant solution to that, especially one that utilizes stuff that it's very easy to find, right? Right. And I, I just, I thought that was really cool. I mean, that's something you could play on an airplane even i recommend the book and i think it's a good example of we want to play this game with only and for whatever reason only with only one other person we have to play it with right here's a way to help take a standard game and modify it for this experience i mean that makes a lot of sense to me it's not a high use case but it is a use case that would certainly come up right when, depending on the game you're playing obviously different different concerns if you're playing a really role play heavy game probably less of a concern yeah but it's still something you have to think about because now every NPC you run into, well, how are they relating to the player and whatever? Yeah. Well, I'm Ryan, the fiercely erasing rules guy. And I'm Ben, the non-sequential player. I will be having one more intermezzo after this, and then it is on to season two. Woo. Look forward to doing the doing the season two thing with you all. all right? Thank you for listening.